Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome into it. It's Friday. Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska. This is weird. I'm here on a Friday. First time in two weeks. But I'm settling in. Damon Barr is excited to see me. Right now, our old friend Elijah Herbal smells like a hippie. He's doing some camping in Colorado. Hey, we're busy today. Excited to talk some recruiting. What happens with Nadab Joseph at 7 tonight? Time will tell. Some thoughts on that coming up. Uh, The Nebraska linebacking coaches on the network. uh, And uh, we'll talk linebackers with Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson from HaleVarsity.com. I've got a few thoughts on the linebacking core to get into. Major League Baseball got it rolling last night. And then... Biblical flooding stopped it for a six-inning game. Uh, It was good to see baseball back. I uh, went to the grocery store. I fired up brats. I boiled them in beer first. And then I charred them on the grill. It was awesome. And I had a couple beers. So I celebrated in, in pure fashion last night like I was at the old ballpark. You can join us today, 466-37. 7646637768008255865 numbers to get in give us a follow on twitter at schmidt underscore radio for chris schmidt and damon bar at damon bar that's two r's is how you follow damon on twitter you can email chris at hailvarsity.com uh dr peterson is uh, coming up derek peterson from hail varsity 15 minutes pride of fairberry's bill dolman in one hour Then we'll talk some defense and uh, spend a little bit of time on John Blake with uh, Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, uh, Jay's position coach while he was at Nebraska uh, was uh, Coach Blake, Boo Blake. So some thoughts from Jay coming up. Chance for you to get in quite a bit of this first hour. We're slammed second hour, 466-377-6800-825-5865. So the Friday question is this. What sport would you sacrifice to end COVID-19? Maybe the better question is, what program would you sacrifice? What college team would you sacrifice to end COVID-19? Michigan State's freaking out. There's been a couple of trainers that have tested positive. Another player or two have tested positive. Let me read you the official information and not just spitball that would probably be uh, good on my end to uh, to do so so this is what Adam Rittenberg has reported so a second staffer has tested positive for COVID-19 that means Michigan State has announced the entire football team will quarantine slash isolate for 14 days they'll do that there have been provisions in place and, and listen, it's one thing to, to catch COVID. What happens after you have it? Do you recover from it is my question. 
there's two different thoughts out here. Brett McMurphy's on with Feinbaum talking about, you know, there's 75%. I, I don't think football's going to happen. And, and then there are thoughts with, okay, Big 12 wants 12 games. The ACC's wheeling and dealing with the SEC so they can keep their uh, rivalry in-state game crossovers real. So the ACC's looking at a 9 plus 1. They're pimping Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you can play with us. Uh, you can try and figure out the rest of your schedule. And by the way, Notre Dame, you can play in the ACC championship game. Now, what's a question about this is with the ACC schools that Notre Dame's supposed to, to play, they have matchups with SEC teams already. So you got to really think hard about counting Notre Dame as a conference game and win or loss. So does Florida State, Notre Dame happen? Yeah, NBC is going to want that to happen. Does Florida State, I should say, does Louisville and Notre Dame happen? Don't know. And then you have Georgia Tech that they always play Notre Dame. Rudy, I mean, got his one sack against Notre Dame back in the early to to mid-70s. So there's some things that are juggling there because Georgia Tech's going to play Georgia. Louisville's going to play Kentucky. And uh, who else am I missing? I I said, what, Clemson? They're going to want to play South Carolina. So that's how it'll shake out there. But there's a little fear with this Michigan State announcement. Could it cause some panic here as things are leading up? You have, you have presidents that are going to be the ones that make this decision. It's not up to the athletic directors. But when push comes to shove, you've got Michigan State freaking out. And that I, I get it. It's not anything to sneeze at with COVID-19. But then you have Barry Alvarez saying, yeah, bro, we're going to lose 100 of our $140 million budget. So that is reality. So... What program would you sacrifice to end COVID-19? Should we just spell out the short list that Nebraska fans have in their mind always? Got to start with Texas. Got to look real hard at Iowa. Those are two. Old conference, new conference. Miami's there because of what the Canes have done to people. There's just not a lot of love for Notre Dame with some folks. Where am I? Is there a fifth one? The Buffs? I mean, if, if, if you go Marvel Endgame here and they just evaporate, who would you have to hate? You'd find somebody else. But I don't want Oklahoma going anywhere. I really don't want Texas going anywhere. I don't want Iowa going anywhere. Do you, do you just get rid of Michigan State? Do you just punt Rutgers just because? Poor Rutgers, man. And really, poor Rutgers is right. Who's just god-awful in the Pac-12? Uh, Oregon State. <laughs> well, there's some selfish reasons for some Nebraska <laughs> fans that are like, yeah, Oregon State, collusion, tampering, receiving core, quarterback. Oregon State, I, I think we'll get okay, actually. So who would you who would you sacrifice for to, to, to end COVID nineteen? You can either pick a pro sport or a college football team. Four six six three seven seven six. I'll say this. 
there's just enough ventum built up because of who used to run it. And I like their coach now. But Pitt? Pitt? Do I hear Pitt? You know, as far as who I'd get rid of, what sport would I get rid of? I, I love basketball. I love baseball. I love hockey. I love boxing. I love volleyball. I'm just not as into some as others. So what would I get rid of? I'm going to absolutely tick off the 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 male water polo group that listens to Hale Varsity Radio. But if I got a nuke one, that's where I'm going. As far as the major sports, that's a tougher discussion. That's a tougher question. What do you get rid of if you could just poof have a cure? Mm-mm. I'm going to say baseball. <laughs> baseball. I'm going to get rid of baseball. Sorry. That is so un-American. What are we going to do in the summer then? Watch basketball. All right. Fair enough. Watch basketball. Shoot off fireworks. I mean, listen, between Pizzo and I've talked to Dolman, those are two diehard baseball guys. And they're like, I'm over baseball. Flat out over it because of how negotiations went. You know what? I, I th- that's in pencil. Maybe not. Maybe not baseball. Do I, and I can't. I'm not counting NASCAR. And this will tick off NASCAR fans because I totally respect you. And if that's your thing and your passion, it's cool. But is NASCAR part of the major conversation? And. It, you know what? And this is really weak, but I'm not a huge MMA guy. Elijah might have to have a, a bone to pick with you on that one, but I, I agree with you. No, but that's surging in popularity. Mm-hmm. So think about that. We'll talk to, to Dr. Petey about this. Okay, let's get into what happens tonight at 7 o'clock for Nebraska. That is Nadab Joseph, his announcement. And Greg Smith feels really pretty good about the forthcoming commitment for the uh, four-star defensive bank that was good enough to go to Alabama, that was good enough to go to Georgia. He committed to both places, flipped from Bama to Georgia, and things didn't work out. So he's been at a community college down in Kansas. What is going to happen? And I think you're going to have Joseph say he is all in for Nebraska. Joseph needs to pass his courses got a little bit of work yet to do and that means get a c okay he'll graduate late it's going to be similar to the jakeem green situation where he'll graduate he'll get to nebraska and then what can he do and listen it's it's not an easy position to play and it's not an easy position to play for a guy like coach fisher as far as what he demands of you to be super talented and he'll get you there but defensive backs an easier spot to come in compete and contribute in my humble opinion than defensive line and it's impossible to play high level defensive back it's an incredible position okay but just from what you're able to do athletically and pick up and dudes lined up in front of you you're in zone you're in press you're off and it's not that simple but i'm making it sound like that so Joseph could come in 
get that last scholarship for Nebraska, and he has the talent to come in, make a dent, and be a guy that Nebraska... I mean, think of some of Nebraska's corners that were all-world. Think of the Ralph Browns. Think of the Baron Mileses. Think of Michael Booker. Think of... Who else? Fabian Washington. I mean, some high, high, high level guys. All draft picks, all NFL guys, all started young and at multiple years for Nebraska. When's the last shutdown corner Nebraska has had? Who who has it been? When I say shutdown, I mean the guy did not let a guy get loose on him. Prince of Mukamara, Fonzie Denver. The last shutdown corner Nebraska had was Fonzie. And go back and YouTube Tuesday, uh, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, in 2010. Prince was great. Prince was Big 12 Player of the Year defensively. Nebraska doesn't win that game without Fonzie shutting down Blackman for Oklahoma State. So you get a le- you get a guy that level, a corner, where he can shut it down, he can be physical, he can run, he's got all the tools and talent, and he can come in. It just kind of comes down to what does he achieve academically? And is as highfalutin as the Big Ten is academically, Nebraska is getting a, a solid here because some of the courses do not transfer to the SEC. So the competition is out of the running in some instances. But Nebraska has been working hard to get Joseph. He could be a lockdown guy, super athletically gifted, can be very physical, And the thing that is a winner for Nebraska is the attention to detail their support staff has with athletes and specifically can have with athletes that are JUCO kids that need structure, that need discipline, that need support around them to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's always a question with JUCO. That's always a question with freshmen. It's just a question with age and maturity. You're getting a guy that can come in, play ball, take half the field away, and be great for Nebraska. So think about where this this defense can go. If they get Joseph tonight, he's a body, he's an opportunity, he's a high-level talent guy with the right application, can really help pay it forward in coverage, but also just make your defense be a little more exotic if they want. We'll get into the, the linebacking core with, with Derek Peterson in a minute, but, it, but it, it is that domino. You have a guy at that skill level, a high, high-level guy, and it makes the linebackers play better and faster, and quite frankly, it can help the defensive line in that outside linebacker spot that you need pressure on. If you can cover for another half a second on the team's best receiver, make the quarterback and the offense go another route, there you go. So this would be a, a monster get for Nebraska. And uh, it just a couple of things. A, he's got to commit to Nebraska. B, he's got to get school locked in. And I think things sound okay in talking with Greg Smith. But it should be a done deal tonight for Nadab Joseph. You're getting a, uh, an Alabama slash Georgia kid talent level kid Ohio State secondary talent level kid to come in and he could come in and do some big things for the Nebraska defense and we'll see if that happens some thoughts on uh, Major League Baseball as we move forward Uh, we'll get caught up with Jay Moore 
and uh, it is National Tequila Day today. Everybody has a story about tequila. Good, bad, and ugly. Did you uh, experiment with tequila uh, before getting into your rum? Tequila and I don't have the, the best relationship. I'll put so it that it was, way. So it was a one... It's kind of a one and one, done kind of thing. Yes. You and most of the world. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Great to be with you on Friday. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Jay Moore coming up. Bill Dolman. We say hi to Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. At Dr. PDHV on Twitter. Derek, what's up, man? How's your Friday? It's good. I'm watching Thunder basketball for the first time since March. I know you are. I I, I have the game on mute so that I can talk to you, so I hope that that you feel special. No, I I feel special because you are you are you have agreed to talk to me during the Thunder game. I mean that's (laughs) that's impressive. We uh we were helping clean out Junior's room, and his closet's massive, and someday he'll be locked in it if he doesn't start minding. But there's so much Thunder gear in there. Would you like to purchase some? <laughs> you know what's funny is I actually, uh, this morning, cleaned out my closet as well <laughs> and um, just got home a little bit ago from taking a bunch of stuff to, to Goodwill to mm-hmm. donate. Um, and and there's, there's quite a bit of Thunder stuff in my closet as well. <sighs> Did you have you kept at least one remnant of the KD and Russ and, and Harden era at all? Oh, I have, I have, um, I have like those shooting shirts, the yeah. warm up shirts yeah, yeah. That, that they sell every year. I have like three of those from three different years during that time period. Um, I have, I have four different Russell Westbrook jerseys, um, and those have all been kept. One of them is too small for me now but uh it's being saved along with a handful of other jerseys that i have for uh whenever i have a a son they're gonna get like a Dwayne wade heat jersey and a dan marino dolphins jersey and a tebow florida jersey and they're gonna have a lot of westbrook jerseys you've been spending time in the weight room like the nebraska football program man good for you Getting yoked. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, I got to ask you. Uh, we we switched this up. the The original question: What sport would you sacrifice to end COVID nineteen? Ted emailed in and says, you know, uh, let's let's not say bowling is a sport, but it's more of a recreation while you drink. But let's not pretend it's a sport. So so Ted says <laughs> b- bowling. I suck at bowling, so my respect is there for the PBA. Uh, I, I started saying baseball, but that was after I said men's water polo. So, and if we're going some of the some of the big five, I guess I would cut baseball just because I, I I mean I watched last night. I'll listen to it on the radio, but I won't get rid of basketball. I'm not getting rid of football. I won't get rid of hockey. I don't want boxing going anywhere. And I guess see hockey would be mine. Would it be okay? Well, your guys yeah. down in Oklahoma are still ticked. You didn't get uh, the, the 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 Phoenix franchise. Sorry, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I would go MMA over baseball. I would get rid of MMA over baseball. I guess. Do you have one? If you had to to pick, would it, which one would it be? Um, see, like UFC and MMA, and like I understand boxing. Boxing is entertaining to me, but the ones where you're just like the ones where a lot of it is on the floor, I just, 
never been able to get into it, but I, I don't know that I would say. I would probably be hockey, honestly, because we talk about the uh, the big four sports in this country, and mm-hmm. hockey is included in that, and, and soccer isn't, and as a guy who is a huge advocate for the game of soccer, or football as every other country calls it, mm-hmm. um, I would like to see soccer get the attention and the credit that it deserves, so I'm going to sacrifice hockey. It has nothing to do with Oklahoma City not getting a hockey team because, fun fact, um, the arena that the Thunder play in now was built for a hockey team. Yes. And then when we didn't get that bid, then that arena just sat there, and that was the reason that obviously the the New Orleans Hornets then came during Katrina because we had a place to host them, and then obviously we get the Thunder. So no hurt feelings about the, the, the NHL turning us down because it led to the best team in the NBA. Well, Seattle's still pissed at you, but that's another another entire segment. But all right, uh, let's get into some football. What are some impressions you had uh, this week with with the Nebraska coaching staff? They they were uh, on the network this week, and and I I really have drilled down. I think the defensive line can can be a surprise, and I know I know they're replacing a lot. But I think they're going to have some good options, okay, uh, between yeah. Stilly and Damian Daniels and Robinson and Green and some of the other kids. I think that they've been building up to, to be able to, to, speaking of hockey, do some line changes and, and have an ability to be better against the run. So then I go to the second level. And to me, what's going to make or break the, the Nebraska defense this year will be linebacker play. Because I thought yeah. that the defensive front did well enough last year at times. I just don't know that the linebackers were were in unison with the defensive line, either overrunning or not filling or, or whatever the case. It just wasn't as good as yeah. it could have been. So yeah. are you optimistic about the, the linebacking core, the outside and the inside guys? There's some unknowns. But it sounds like, from a depth and an ability standpoint, both Dawson and Rude feel pretty good. It sounds like that, that they'll have some dudes to play. Yeah, I think I'm right where you are in terms of analyzing that that front seven. I think, you know, when you talk about the defensive line, a lot of that really is how much work are you getting done with Duvall in the weight room? And I think we're starting to see, or at least Nebraska is starting to see um, some of the fruits of that labor just from. You know the the brief glimpses that we've got into gotten into what they've been doing, um, and I like Ty Robinson. Jordan Riley is a guy that that you didn't mention that that might factor in there, but um, they've got guys. Chenander said this week that they might go. It might not have been this week. It was, but it was recently. Chenander said they might go seven or eight deep on the defensive line, which is what Tony Tuioti wants. Um, the other the other interesting comment that Chenander made was that they could go five or six deep at inside linebacker, which which would be good. And I think you're you're spot on when you say that you know problems last year it, it started with the linebackers um you know not fitting they got they got beat up in pass coverage um and and you know, like will honus has has quietly been really good for nebraska ever since he kind of figured out schematically what they were doing um and and you know barrett rude said it the other night but when you have an acl it really takes a long time mm-hmm. to come back like you can start playing after six, seven, eight months, but it really takes a long time for you to, to finally feel like yourself again. Um, so he's probably a guy to, to keep watching on. I thought Colin Miller was one of 
Well, he, he was probably their best inside linebacker in pass coverage last year. Um, so he's got to make improvements there. Um, but that is that's an area where they've got to be a lot better. Teams killed them with shallow crossing routes over the middle or targeting those inside linebackers in coverage. Um, you know, the, the the X factor, I should say, would be Nick Henrich. Um, they really liked him. They thought he was building towards somebody that could be a, a piece for them. And then the injury happens. And so if he's, you know, if he's, if he's got a firm grasp of what they're doing defensively and, and the calls that need to be made, um, if he is, is healthy, he could be a guy that, you know, I don't know that Rude's going to go with a, a three-man rotation again like he did last year. He might stretch it to four or five, depending on what happens with Keyshawn Green. Um, but, like, I think they, they have options in both places. It's just a matter of, you know, what are we going to see from those options? It's been like this for – a couple of years now, we've been excited about the potential of guys. Um, Barrett Rude loves Luke Reimer, like loves him. I wonder what he looks like in, ex- in an expanded role. I wonder if Vaugh Clemens can come in right away and, and be a guy. You expect a Juco guy to be able to do that right away, but it's not always the case, especially in this abbreviated offseason. So you look at inside linebacker, they've got options. And they've got a lot of bodies. That's why Jackson Han is no longer in that room. Um but they've they've got questions and they 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 weren't very good at linebacker a year ago, either on the inside or at the outside, and they've got to have guys prove that that you know they can kind of translate some of that potential for the off season. And I wrote this a week or so ago. Like potential only matters in off season. Once you get to to end the season, it's about what are you doing on the field on game day. What are you giving me? And you know from an inside linebacker spot they got to be better from an outside linebacker spot they just got to find someone like Jojo Doman has been a playmaker when he's been on the field he's got to be healthy enough to stay on the field and they got to find somebody else that can really grab that other spot and run with it like they have like you could do this like Caleb Tanner Nico Cooper Garrett Nelson maybe a little bit of Blaze Gunnarsson sprinkled in there like you jabbing right you could do kind of that by committee thing but I think they really need and they really want one guy to really grab this position and say, I'm going to get after the passer and I am going to generate a pass rush. And that's what they've been missing. Derek Peterson's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Okay, about uh, two minutes here. Do you think Honus or Miller could get unseated? Um, that's a good question. If they're not better in pass coverage, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Nebraska's at a, at a point with his team where anybody has a guaranteed spot. I think, you know, if Luke Reimer continues to develop the way Rude says he has, um, you know, he starts taking away snaps from somebody. If Keyshawn Green, who was a massive signing day win for them, mm-hmm. comes in right away and, and he's a guy that you just can't take off the field, like he still snaps from someone. I think they've got they've got guys that are gonna push Honus and Miller in fall camp. And then once the season begins, really give them all they can handle. And, you know, that's that's what they want. Competition breeds greatness. Um, they want guys to be pushed. And, I mean, if there's not improvement, then, yeah, those guys are going to lose their spots because Nebraska's defensively, they got to have improvement because we're really excited about the secondary and all the good things that that veteran-laden back end has. But it doesn't really mean a whole lot if you can't stop the run, especially in the Big Ten. You've got to be able to stop the run. So it's, it's going to be imperative that that front seven shows improvement. The other part of that, too, is when it comes to some, some passing situations, 
you may have guys and, and options now where fellas are better equipped in coverage, right? To they can yeah, go they in on third. Yeah, they can go in on third and nine and handle a tight end versus yeah. rolling with with what you're comfortable with from an assignment standpoint. Okay, I've got uh, thirty seconds. It is National Tequila Day. Do you get along with tequila? No, 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 I do not. Tequila and I have a very bad relationship. So you and Damon Barr both. I think most of America has had a bad night with tequila before. <laughs> and that Mine's happens. Mine's been like a, a, a bad, like... Spring break? lifetime with tequila. <laughs> so you don't ever do margaritas? Um... The the fuzzies in in Norman when I was in school the fuzzies is a lot better there than it is here and they had frozen margaritas that were really good but outside of that no okay all right well there we go Doctor Petey says uh, my prescription is stay away from the tequila have a good weekend Doctor Petey it's awesome to get caught up with you cheer on your thunder all right appreciate you man pour out a glass of whiskey for me uh, yes I will I will not share. Maybe with you. <laughs> Take care. Derek Peterson, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Follow him on Twitter at Dr. Petey HV. Uh, we're moving through hour, two, hour one here on Hail Varsity. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, some baseball news. The Royals get their opener going tonight at uh, 5.30 on Sister Station KFOR. 6 o'clock first pitch. And some news here with former Mets ace Matt Harvey. The Royals and Harvey are close to an agreement. Harvey was with the Angels a year ago, 3-5, and 7.09 ERA, Mr. Blutarski. 12 starts. So you had comeback attempts with the Reds, with the Angels, and Harvey was the man for the Mets when they went to the World Series and were beaten in 2015 by the Royals. So you have uh, John Hyman uh, is reporting this. It's about an hour and a half old. And yet you have the the Royals that, that need every arm they can get to help kind of put maybe another magical season together. Now, Kansas City on the mound has had issues, and they're getting a bargain price at a guy that's far, far removed from going 25 and 18 with a 2.53 ERA from 12 to 15. So the Royals have been in the bottom of the ERA pool for a while. So we'll see if this happens. And when it comes to prediction time, your friends at CBS Sports are saying the Royals could have the second worst rotation in baseball. We'll see if this happens for Kansas City. That'd be a good thing for the Royals. So we spent some time here on Nadab Joseph. He is commitment tonight. Does that happen? We spent a few minutes with Derek Peterson talking linebackers for Nebraska. You know, he, he went as far as Henrich being the X factor. I, I believe that. Uh, I, I think with Nebraska, the D-line will be okay. I think the secondary will be good. You're going to need your linebackers to play higher level football. Think of who you're chasing. And think of who you're chasing on the recruiting trail. And Wisconsin seems to print 
outside linebackers and versatile inside guys. They they play, they develop, they start for a year or two, and then they're off to the NFL. That's what Wisconsin's does. Does you look and they're really the only three four, the other three four in the league. Everyone else is running a four three. Wisconsin doesn't truly run a three four. They'll they'll put another man down and they're versatile and do what the hell they want. They've been great. Iowa, the Josie Jewels of the world. Uh, Iowa's been a really good program, specifically with not only how good their lines been, both lines, but the Jewels of the world. Iowa's had dudes that are just smart football players, and then you had Patty Fisher at Northwestern that's been in school for 76 years. He's great. Northwestern's linebacking core is really good. And Minnesota, I mean, they flew around to the football last year. So Nebraska has ground to, and, and from a physicality standpoint, don't sneeze on what Illinois had either. So Nebraska needs to get caught up with the Joneses at that second level with the linebackers and get some dudes like Carlos Polk, get some dudes like Levante David. Easier said than done. I understand completely. But you've got some choices now if you're Barrett Rude and your coach Dawson. Uh, I really focused in on the topic of conversation with Caleb Tanner because he's a kid you, you beat some teams out for from SEC country. He's a Georgia kid. He is explosive. He's long. He's athletic. He's a guy that you think and believe when you recruited them here can get off the edge, go get a quarterback, set the edge against the run, and then drop into some coverage. We'll talk uh, about that outside linebacker spot coming up with Jay Moore in in less than an hour. But with Caleb Tanner, and this is fair, all right? You recruit a kid, and if he's not killing it in year one or year two, you start asking questions. You start wondering what's going on. I'd say by year three or even year four, it's fair to reserve judgment on a player. It just is. Because let's look at the situation. Will Honus's case. Let's use him as an example. Juco, guy's supposed to come in and kill it. Well, the guy gets hurt. ACL. Awful. You got to trust that knee. You got to move left and right, north and south. And then you got, and Will Honus is a perfect Big Ten linebacker inside the, uh, the tackles. The uh, meat and potatoes Big Ten where you're going to try and smoke a fullback or an H-back and go get the ball carrier. You got to scrape and hit and tackle and be tough. Honus is that. And now that he's got time to come back from injury, now that he's been in this system, I think he can have a fan- just a fantastic senior year. Same with Colin Miller. Both those guys have had different challenges, and Miller's challenge has been the fact that they started them outside, and you got to learn a new position. There are some options, right? Uh, Jackson Hanna, kid out of out of uh, Tennessee. Where's he at? Nebraska has done well in getting a guy like Rymers that said, you know what, I'm going to go to South Dakota State. I'm going to come play ball in Lincoln. You got Chris Cassidy, the smart football player, pious kid. So I think what Nebraska's got a linebacker that will start to bloom this year. It's got to, but it, it will start to bloom this year because guys have been in the system. They're comfortable, and they can play fast and not think. And you hear that from Coach McBride, and you hear that from different players. 
It just takes some acclimation time. And Caleb Tanner's one of those football players where if you give him some patience and if he's patient and and maybe it, it, it happens faster for him this year, or maybe it's, it's situational and, and they want the consistency to come because they see all the tools. And Coach Dawson was talking about that. He's got all the tools to be great every snap. Easier said than done. Just think about consistency. And that's where it's at. It comes down to trust and consistency. I remember being in Boulder last year, and Nebraska had a hell of a good first half. I mean, they, they got after the, the buffs. They sacked the quarterback. Caleb Tanner finished with two and a half sacks, I think, in limited action in 12. I mean, he, he played in 12 games, but it wasn't like he was going 50 snaps, okay? Tanner got off the ball very, very well against the buffs on the edge. And he had a sack and, I think, a sack and about three hurries for Tanner, if memory serves. But early in that game, guy was off the edge, was in the backfield, and it was looking good. You just got to keep carrying that forward. And if, if there's still some delay in progress or success for Tanner, Nico Cooper's a guy again. But what I've been saying this whole segment is guys kind of progress at different times. And the time is now for Nebraska to play football and win and get after the quarterback. You're not stuck. You're not stuck with one or two dudes and that's it. Garrett Nelson, JoJo Doman, it's all good. And we'll see how it works out for Nebraska. But you want the defense to be better, it's going to be up to the linebacking core. And if you got a rotation of about five or six guys off the edge, about five or six dudes in the interior, going to have options. What's the difference between the guy that's listed first on the depth chart, depth chart who's his backup, where's that gap in talent, if it exists, what is, what's the cavalry look like for, for third team? We'll wind down hour one. Bill Dolman's 15 minutes away. Jay Moore's coming up. Hail Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding down hour one. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Are you moving in 2020? The last time you moved, did you want to scream? Yes, for me. But uh, 2020, when it comes to moving, West Blue Realty, going to be painless for you. How do they do it? They've got two folks that are incredible, not only at specializing residential homes and sales in Lincoln, but surrounding communities. So you're looking to find a great spot, a new spot in Lincoln, West Blue Realty, going to make that happen for you. Give Tom Luby a shout at 402 540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly will take the phone call at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue Realty. You mentioned Hail Varsity. Get up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Get an appointment with West Blue Realty today. WestBlueRealty.com. Kelly Hofschneider and Mr. Tom Luby. And they're at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. And do you have agricultural land? Do you have an estate like Damon Barr? Listen, they're experienced. West Blue is when it comes to taking care of that ag land. They have an auctioneer. They can handle live auctions, sealed bids, general land listings. They've sold land in Lancaster, Otto, and Seward counties. 
and they can also handle a large radius. WestBlueRealty.com. So, Damon, do you have any health benefits that come to mind with tequila since it is National Tequila Day? Any health benefits? Yeah. That come to mind with tequila? Uh, Super strength. Let's see. (laughs) Uh... Bravery, that, that's a health benefit, right? I don't know. Yeah, well, super strength and bravery, that is too good. Well, the, the thing about tequila here is tequila's pure, right? It's from the guave, is that right? Yeah. The guave I, I, yeah. plant. So apparently tequila doesn't give you a hangover, right? Really? That, well, the, 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 the mixologist out there say, maybe not so much. The, the best advice, tequila treats you the same way you treat it, right? But the thing about tequila is it, uh, when it comes to the common sugar-based alcohols, if you drink it, you're mixing alcohols. That's the bad reputation. You, you mix the sugars is what it can do, and, and that's take care. It's better for you if you're sensitive to blood sugar, okay? There you go. It helps with your appetite, can stimulate. That works. So experts say, Damon, before you go somewhere for lunch, do a shot of tequila. I'm on every morning uh, after you brush your teeth, right? Or maybe or before. Just brush your teeth with it. Oh, there you go. Um, tequila makes you smarter. There's five types of tequila, colorless, silver, distilled, and, uh, there you go. I will avoid tequila tonight unless I'm blending a margarita. And yes, I blend it versus on the rocks. That's how I do it. I'm a wuss. Sammy Hagar, I think, still prints money with his tequila brand. Yeah, I mean, and it grows down south in Mexico. Damon, have you ever thought of a tequila plant? Could you grow it in Lincoln? Huh. Hmm. Let's we'll research wonder, that, that plant. Yeah. I'll need to repurpose my backyard coming up. Either soon, that though. or just buy some land in Arizona so you don't have to visit. Bill Dolman's coming up. Jay Moore next hour. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill Dolman is in. Billy D, it, it, it's been two weeks. It's felt like two years. How are you? Well, I'm glad that uh, your suspension has been lifted. Now you know what it feels like uh, when you do that to me so often that you're not able to be on the air. Either that or you just don't want to talk to me on Fridays anymore. I miss, I get it. I've missed you. I've missed you. I've had I've had youth baseball for junior. So. Well, oh, I thought you were playing. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what we've done athletically together that often other than go to a few baseball games back in the day for the uh, uh, Royals Day at the K deal, but... Uh, I have kept my athletic uh, abilities hidden from you, and 
It's more so to to keep the uh, the pointing and laughing from happening. So I, I have every confidence that if you're playing youth baseball, you'd still be in right field. Well, it would end up like Kramer and Seinfeld. All right, with the karate <laughs> episode, I, w- I would have done okay. I would have. I would have. Who is the, the the big fat lefty for? Um, for the Yanks that threw a perfect game. David, I would have been David Wells on the hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's talk a little football. And uh, a thought here is the news earlier, uh, Adam Rittenberg reporting uh, Michigan State announcing its entire team will quarantine and isolate for 14 days after a second staff member and athlete tested positive. That is a, a major pause uh for the big 10 they are trying to figure out their scheduling here later on in the end of next week we're thinking 10 games but uh sparty has had issues uh nebraska has been pretty much under control with the football program it it looks like and sounds like i mean i haven't seen any new numbers but i know there's a a mindset to, to get ball played by by Bill Moose and Coach Frost and the team, but d- is this going to have some some ripple effects within the Big Ten as they look to to schedule and move forward? Could this cause some panic? I'm sure it probably will. Um, anytime that there's a, a headline with um, oh, you know a, a prominent name. Uh, be it a politician or a celebrity or, you know, a, a, a school like Michigan State, I think that people, you know, rightly or wrongly uh, turn their heads in that direction. You know, if this had been, uh, you know, an outbreak at Michigan Tech, um, sure. do people get, you know, too riled up, even though it's it's the same situation, it's the same thing everybody deals with, it's the same worries that everybody has, but it's Michigan State. But, you know, go back 24 hours. Uh, it was Wisconsin saying, if we don't play football, we're going to lose $100 million. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it's Wisconsin saying that. And I've said, you know, all the way through this for the last several months, you know, when it comes to college football, it's, it's money is going to play a huge factor in, in what the, you know, the decision-making is. If this had been, uh, you know, Wisconsin hyphen something, Maybe it doesn't get any attention where, you know, they say, look, if we don't have football games this year and we don't get a money game, like let's say South Dakota State doesn't get its money game this year, mm-hmm. it's going to have a major impact on its entire athletic department and the university. But for Wisconsin, you know, it's it's a big deal when they say we could lose $100 million. And so I'm sure when they're gathering around the, the, the table, uh, the NCAA and Big Ten tables, Michigan State is saying we had a couple of guys, you know, test positive for this, and this is what we're doing. And then you've got Michigan or, or Wisconsin saying we are, could lose a hundred million dollars. And there are both there are people lining up behind both of those schools, you know, to um, to talk about their concerns. So, yeah, is it concerning with Michigan State? Sure, um, but they've had a long time to figure out, you know, how, what kind of plan they're going to put in place to deal with it. Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, uh, some thoughts as Nebraska's minicamp has gotten underway today. We spent some time this week hitting on some of the position battles. Uh, I think the offensive line could be a strength and as good as it's been in a while. I'm intrigued about the the front seven. Feel pretty good about the, the back four. 
and some of the options that are there. Nebraska's recruited pretty well through this whole COVID thing. Coach Frost and his staff have done a great job. But are you where, where are you at with the linebackers? And and I'm not asking you to go you know guy by guy, but overall, do you think they can make a jump? They, they've got some bodies. They've got some JUCO guys. And there seems to be some more depth. And linebackers got to be better uh, on the outside and inside. The, the line um, needs to be in unison. Defensive line needs to be in unison with those backers in this 3-4. Can the defense make a, a, a better jump or at least be better statistically against that run and getting after the quarterback this upcoming season if we have it? You know, last last year I thought in watching, you know, the linebacker play that it was – I don't want – disorganized might be a, a strong a – too strong of a, of a critique, but, it, you know, you, you come out all fired up early in the season, but as the season went on, it, it, it just looked like, you know, the linebacking core – was collectively a step late, sure. and um, you know, you know, last year you go and you have Muhammad Barry, and you know he's talking about being a leader, and and this is his year, and you know, maybe it was as Barry went, so did that group of linebackers, but it just never seemed like those guys were, you know, the first to the ball, and they had that aggressiveness at the linebacker position as the season went on. Um, you know, you've, you've got some guys in there. Um, you know, be it on the outside or the inside, that are, you know, Frost, Shenander, uh, guys. Now you've got Dawson coming back for mm-hmm. the second time around. You know, Barrett knows what it takes to be a Nebraska linebacker. So the, the, the foundation in terms of the leadership, the coaches, that's, that's been set now for a while. Now hopefully you have the players who come in there and understand what's expected of them and how they're supposed to, you know, do their assignments. But, you know, you, JoJo Dolman's been around for, I, I think he was a freshman when I was hosting the Osborne show. So, you know, Dolman's been around for a long time. Um, I, I Sometimes I think he might be the best athlete on defense. Um, and if he can, you know, get that athleticism and harness with, you know, being able to zero in on the assignment and be, you know, I, I think that he could be a spectacular uh, defensive player this year for Nebraska. Um, you know, Will Hannes had the knee injury that's kind of people kind of forgot about him over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Colin Miller is he, he's also been around forever. So there's obviously some experience there, but now you hope that experience pays off in terms of reaction and getting where you're supposed to be and getting there a step of a, a step ahead instead of a step late. I think that's the most important thing is just to see those guys aggressive and organized and making plays as opposed to not being, you know, around the ball when they needed to be. It was it was kind of a two-way street when I think back to the front seven and the yards per carry. And the Ohio State game was on a couple weekends ago, and I'm going to blame the, the, uh, the batteries on that as to why I kept watching wow. from a remote standpoint. And either if there was a stalemate by the front three, right, to keep the Ohio State offensive lineman from getting to the second level, it seemed like there'd be a, a false step or two sometimes by the linebackers based on some some different action, right, to, to get them to flow one way or the other. Or if the the offensive line fired off uh, and, and just had a good down and 
would move the defensive line. I mean, the, the gaps that are there, I mean, the requirement of this 3-4 uh, is, I mean, you got to be a pretty good ball player to, to, to make a 3-4 work. And, and I think Nebraska's collecting some really good ball players. But, it, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's, it's the fault of shifting from 4-3 to 3-4. I mean, that's been done for three, four years now. But you've had different... You've had different different D coordinators and staffs, and guys have been recruited for different systems. I think it's finally going to settle down, Bill. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what's most critical. And even though Dawson was gone for a year and has come back, I mean the the, the staff knows each other. They know what they want, and they know what it's supposed to look like. And you know, maybe last year's things start to go downhill a little bit, and the wins and the losses and losing close games, or you you know you go through that Ohio State thing. You know, maybe the motivation isn't there, and you are a step slow, and you're just looking, you know, looking toward the end. You certainly hope that's not necessarily the case, but I think there's there's potential there. And you know, there are a couple of uh, the the move of, of the of, of Javen Wright, uh, yeah, I believe yeah. it's it, you know, I'm intrigued by that. You know, it reminds me a bit of you know the 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 Ed Stewart move, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 making those linebackers faster, you know, that Nebraska did back in the early '90s. So moving him from DB to outside linebacker could you know add a completely new uh, or different dimension, you know, to that team. No, that's a that's a great point. When you get more speed on the field and you're asking a secondary guy to bulk up and be able to play and stop the run and set the edge and get after the quarterback versus just go cover. And, and I love getting the, that Husker lineage with uh, as great as Toby Wright was, getting Buddha in here to, to bulk up and be an option on the edge is nice. Bill Dolman's with us a few more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio. Well, Bill, think about that. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned Toby. You know, uh, and, and Toby was, uh, I, I believe, more of a, uh, like a monster back or, you know, uh, but you know, Terrell Farley, I remember watching, you know, doing Cornhusker football mm-hmm. and the Osborne show, being around Charlie McBride. And, you know, he'd, he'd watch those guys and kind of shake his head, you know, behind the scenes and go, it's not where he's supposed to be, but he ended up in the right place. You know? <laughs> And I, and that and there's there there wasn't much of that last year maybe the last couple of years where yeah maybe you had guys going like I said they're going in the right place but they're just not getting there on time now maybe you have the athleticism and you have the understanding of what is you know what's expected of those guys so they may get there a little quicker than in, in days past and you know two of the most fun defensive players I ever watched uh, were Terrell and Toby. They were outstanding, and uh, both JUCO guys. Nebraska going to be leaning on a couple of JUCO guys to provide some depth as depth as depth as well. Bill, a, a thought on John Blake, and we covered him when he was here for Nebraska. I know you covered him when he was um, at Oklahoma, and Nebraska was still uh, doing their thing in the Big Twelve. And I remember talking with Coach Switzer about John Blake, and, and he's, he'd always smile about about Boo Blake, as he called him. And, and uh, you know, Jay Moore's coming up here a little bit after we get done. And, and Jay's got a lot of positive thoughts about John Blake. And that's been the social media reaction the last 24 hours with Coach Blake's passing. You've seen a lot of really talented recruiters in, in Lincoln. Uh, I, th- I think of Coach Osborne's staff, Bill. And I also think of some of the guys that ended up uh, really playing at a high level under John Blake and also playing at a high level for Coach Bo. Uh, that that were John Blake recruits, and then the Stoops Championship, right? I mean, 
uh, a lot of talent that was on that field that, that John Blake brought to town, just not, wasn't necessarily able to get it done with his head coach. Did you have much uh, interaction with, with John Blake? What are your thoughts on, on his passing? You know, I really didn't, uh, other than that brief time that, that he was in Lincoln um, and just around a few times. But the, his reputation always kind of preceded him and, you know, went with him wherever he went. He was a much-traveled coach. Um, I, I think he's one of those guys that, you, you know, you look at his career and he was one of those who was just a, a fantastic assistant coach wherever he was uh the head coaching thing at oklahoma certainly didn't work out very well but there's no question that um as an assistant and as a recruiter john blake was you know everything that uh, you would want uh want a guy to be and to do and um it, i i think the thing that stands out most and you, you mentioned you're going to talk to uh to sugar here in a little bit you know he just was a good guy and a good Christian man, uh, as I recall, he he was a uh, went to Lincoln Berean, or his mm-hmm. family did when he was uh, in in Lincoln. I, I think people when they were around John Blake, they just had kind of a good vibe that he was a good guy. Um, and you know, wherever he went, he left a uh, um, a feel good uh, legacy. I think people were probably you know better for having known him. I know that there were some things in his past during his coaching career that. You know, uh, well, people will also look back on, but I think the totality is that he was just a really good man, a good family man, loved the players, loved the game, loved recruiting, loved his Sooners, and uh, will definitely be missed. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's sad to, to see somebody at the age of 59, and, and it, it seemed as though his life had, you know, was, was going in a very positive direction. I don't think he'd coached since he'd been at the Buffalo Bills. But nevertheless, I, I think that anybody who crossed paths with John Blake um, extensively or even just for a little bit, knew that he was a good guy, and he'll be missed. Bill Dolman's with us, Hale City Radio, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Uh, and uh, you find Bill on Twitter, at Bill Dolman. Bill, uh, about a minute here, a little less, and you excited about the NBA to get rolling? <laughs> it's hard to watch the NBA right now. I can't tell if they're actually playing games <laughs> or if, they're, if I'm watching the, you know, uh, uh, video games like I did, you know, during the uh, the the auto racing pandemic when they had the um, uh, the the V the sim racing. Sure, it, 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 they're in this whatever they're in and they're playing. It 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 still looks a little video game esque to me. Um, now that's one thing, but it's also kind of weird to to see these games that are going to have simulated fans in the stands. Uh, that's also kind of odd, but nevertheless, you know, sports are coming back in, in some way, shape or form. And uh, I got to tell you this, I, I love watching NASCAR on weeknights. I think that they've struck gold with that. And that's something that NASCAR and IndyCar and all those sports that struggle for eyeballs on Sundays need to need to look at in terms of ways of moving forward with their, uh, with their exposure opportunities. But the, the NBA in the bubble, it, it's just odd. Bill, have a good weekend, brother. We'll talk next week. All right, be good. Good to talk to you. Go Big Red. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore, co-host of Big Red Wrap Up, and more to it, Jay's podcast. Jay Bird, good to spend a few minutes with you. You are uh, getting the old golf spikes ready for a 
fantastic organization, the Nebraska Greats Foundation. Uh, rumor has it you and Slaw Daddy are going to go, well, one of you may lose a few golf balls. Is that true? <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a good day. Uh, Slaws is uh, en route to pick me up. <laughs> um, there may be um, a few Bushlight Tallboys consumed um, today between him and I, um, plus other cocktails I'd imagine. It's, it's, it's going to be uh, – I didn't uh, have a chance to play in the last year. I had something else going on. But what they do and what they provide for former student-athletes, you know, around the state, is uh, it's a great, it's a great uh, organization. Um, Gary Murtaugh, Jim Rose, they do a great mm-hmm. job of – heading this thing up and plus numerous board members that I'm leaving out. But yeah, it's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a good Friday. I got a dear friend that used to live near that uh, uh, has been helped by the Nebraska Greats Foundation and uh, they uh, are near and dear to his heart. I, I smile when I think about what they're doing for not only former athletes and student athletes but just others in the community. So that's that's awesome. You're a part of that. Jay, uh, tough news yesterday. Uh, your former position coach, Coach John Blake, unexpectedly passes away, uh, not even 60 years of age. And can, can you give me a minute or two here and reflect on, on John? And uh, I didn't – I mean, we, we covered him. You played for him. And mm-hmm. I, I spoke with him a couple of different times in interviews and right before he was leaving for North Carolina. He just was always a happy guy. And I remember his positivity even during some pretty trying times as head coach at Oklahoma. That You know, uh, John always had a smile on his face. And what are you taking with you with his memory? Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, can 2020 get any freaking worse? I mean, give me a break. Um when I saw that news by, you know, a good friend of the show, Dean Blevins, yesterday on, on Twitter, I'm just like, man, I, I'd like reread it like three or four times. Like, is that the John Blake that I'm, that I know what I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. So totally, yeah, totally unexpected. You know, I, you know, I, I had spoken to him probably three or four times since he had left Nebraska. Now he left right after the big 12 championship to go with Butch out to uh, North Carolina. Um, so it was kind of a weird separation party he didn't tell us that he was leaving he was just all of a sudden kind of offices cleaned out we're like uh where's coach blake mm-hmm. um so that was a little unfortunate but i i spoke with someone from the Omaha world herald yesterday and um the guy had i don't he just had the gift to make everyone feel great about themselves didn't matter if you're white black hispanic whatever you were i mean he had the ability to connect with everyone. That's why he made him such a great recruiter. Um, you know, that's why he was able to get kind of to Oklahoma. I mean, even though he was like successful as a head coach, but he got that talent in there for Stoops to come in and win a national championship in his second year there. Um, you know, he's the reason why Ndamukong Sue came here. He's the reason why Barry Turner came here, Marlon Lucky, all these great players. And he headed up that 2005 recruiting class that was like number five nationally. Um, so... He was a very, very special person. I loved playing for him. Um, he made me 1,000% better every day as a football player. He challenged you, but he challenged you not in a in like a hard-ass, tough way. He just was always 
you know, pushing you. He just knew how to push the right buttons with, with his players. Um, and it didn't matter if you're a starter that was going to be in the NFL or matter, or if you're a third to fourth stringer that, you know, needed to give the scout team a good look, you know, the or he, who was on the scout team to give the, you know, the offense a good look. He knew how to push those buttons and get the most out of his players. I was telling the guy yesterday, all you wanted to do was play so well for him because there's nothing better than you're coming off the field and you meet him on the sidelines and you played well, you made a good play. Um, and just seeing his reaction, and he was just happy for you, and you just was, you were so excited. You wanted to play well for him, and um, you know he's had the ability to connect to everyone. I I saw I saw I can't, I think it was Fabian Washington tweeted out. He goes he could talk a cat off a fish truck. He had that good of wor- way of words, you know. So he he did, man. He could connect with everyone, and he he called everyone a freak. What up, freak? How you doing, freak? You know, and you know. Raggedy when he didn't play very well, that was raggedy or that was March Dine, you know, stuff like that. He just had great phrases. Um, he always wanted to be called freak. He didn't want to be called raggedy. You know, if he saw you walk, maybe if you're nursing an injury, you know, he'd see you walking around the football offices or he'd be walking around, you know, the Hewitt, the training table area. If you're kind of limping around, you're like, hey man, are you limping or are you pimping? You know, he always had that phrase. So he was he was one of a kind man. He's uh, I know he's going to keep a lot of people entertained upstairs, and uh, he was he was a great man. He's just gone way, way too early. Jay Moore is with us. Hail Varsity Radio. His position coach, John Blake, passing away, and uh, Boo Blake is in that we were playing a best of on Hail Varsity, I, I think, uh, last Friday, and the, the time you and I got to, to spend with Coach Switzer uh, on on John Blake was was pretty awesome. And, and Coach Switzer, I, I had a chance to kind of connect with him last night and just send along some well wishes. I mean, you're hurt by this. Players who played for Coach Blake's hurt by this. Coach Switzer, definitely. Uh, I mean, Barry had uh, a really soft spot in his heart for John Blake, not only as a player, but as a coach. And uh, it's it's just tough, tough news. And you touch on the, the ability to connect, Jay, with, with Coach Blake. Doesn't matter your background, your race. He's a guy you wanted to make proud of you. Is, is, there, a, is there a story? You've given some anecdotes, but is there a story where Coach Blake either challenged you or rewarded you, either a hug or a handshake or a moment in your career that, that will always kind of walk with you? Man, there's so many. You know, I struggled. I got asked that same question yesterday, and I struggled because there was just there were so many um, instances with him. And it was it was an everyday like you just enjoyed being around him. It was sure. an everyday occurrence where he was he would do something um, with you, or he was always you know it didn't matter. He, he could he could be having a, a he could be having a bad day. You'd never know it. If you were a bad day having a bad day, he would make it good. Um, and he said that, like I said, he had that ability. I, I told the story, um, yeah, a play. I said, you know, he just wanted to play well for him. And, you know, one of the first plays that always comes to mind when we were playing Iowa State my junior year. and um, Pretty close ball game. I can't remember what, what time frame it was, but they were getting marching down there. We ran a little zone blitz, and I dropped in the coverage, and I intercepted Meyer for my one and only career interception at Nebraska and then returned it for like 10 yards. But the very next play, Corey Ross scores on a screen pass. And that kind of gave us momentum for the football game. And just after that play, just seeing his reaction, just, you know, you you make that type of play and it totally switched the, the football game around to where we could win. And just, you know, 
that's what you have to do. You, you know, just you never, you know, that's why you have to be so prepared. You don't, ever, you know, you can never know when that time's going to come where you can make that play where it could completely switch a football game. And I was fortunate enough to make one of those plays and just to see his his reaction, you know, saying, you know, you know, big-time players make big-time plays and big-time games. And it just, he just always gave you confidence. Um, and you always, I always looked at him in the sidelines because he wasn't in the booth. He was always on the sidelines. And, um, you know, he, by his expressions, you know, he could, he would, uh, he would let you know if you were doing well or you weren't. So, uh, it was always constantly looking over to, to Coach Blake. And yeah, I mean, that's one of many situations. Um, you know, we did some practice and, uh, we had such a good group though. My, my D line, you know, my junior and senior year, we were so, so good. Uh, and he just made us so much better. You know, you talk about myself and, and like Keevan Smith and Titus Adams and Adam Carricker, my junior year. You know, then you have a young and Dominic Sue doesn't really play that much. Ty Steinkuhler, Wally Muhammad. And then you go to my senior year and myself, Barry Cryer, Oladog Enduro, who are also there in 2005 mm-hmm. as JUCOs, but then now they're starting. And then you get a little older and Dominic Sue, Ty Steinkuhler, and um, Zach Potter got thrown in the mix there. And um, we, just were, we had some good talent. And then you get the good talent mixed with really good D-line coach because he was a phenomenal D-line coach. And uh, he took us to some, you know, really high levels. You know, lead. I don't know, at one time, I, I think we led the nation in sacks my, my junior year then was up there and top ten nationally in tackles for loss. And, um, you know, he, he got us to play well. And you and mainly because you wanted to play well for him because you had so much fun being around him and he got you better. So I, I know I'm, I'm one of many, many people. Who can who can speak like that? Because I know he's made a lot of lot of football players um, the way they are, and I'm just fortunate enough that we cross paths. Because I don't know if we I cross his paths if I make it to the NFL. You know, it's just kind of one of those ways where he I connected with him, and um, he got me to get the most out of my ability. So you know, I, I owe him a lot. Jay Morris with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, uh, minicamp gets rocking for Nebraska, and uh, things look okay uh as okay as things can look for fall football really enjoyed your sit down on the more to it podcast with uh, rick pizzo we had uh pizzo on yesterday for the big 10 buffet segment and you know i I, i'm moving towards some optimism and you know me man i look at the the beer being half full this time of year as to projections and what nebraska can can do on the field let's hope that there's 10 games or eight games or however many get played mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm anxious to see and i'm i'm bullish on your guy greg austin's offensive line uh, and where they're at just from a depth standpoint and a talent standpoint and i don't know that there's a monster gap between some of the first team and, and some of the second team guys there'll be a rotation or an option to play guys that that are that are able to step in and be healthy if someone's not healthy we'll have some more thoughts from jay moore black shirt husker nfler his thoughts uh, heartfelt on his position coach john blake we appreciate jay sharing some of his uh thoughts and that care he had for his position coach but we'll get into the uh the, the linebackers and defensive line with jay in a moment I want to remind you about taste of the rail yard Outdoors, sunshine, and uh, a great evening. A couple of them can be yours with the rail yard and taste of the rail yard. Enjoy free samples from local breweries, local wineries. Damon Bars, eyes and ears just perked up because I said wine. And uh, Lincoln's home to so many great uh, local folks. August 8th 
and August 29th. TheRailYard.com is where you log on. Gets rocking at 3 o'clock. Live music, Lemon Fresh Day, and Shoot to Thrill. Tickets only 10 bucks. TheRailYard.com. Get locked in. Taste of the Rail Yard. More with Jay Moore coming up on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes. Jay Moore with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Pass rush is the other thing. Can Nebraska run the football? Can Nebraska stop the run and get after the quarterback? And I want your take on, on a guy like Caleb Tanner and that outside linebacker position. And what does it take? And I'll get you out of here on this to be a, a guy that's more than just a, a flash player. Yeah, well, let's be, he's gone into his third year now. So that's, you know, I made my, my biggest jump going from year from into my, from my sophomore year to my junior year. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you talk about guys about the league, they make their biggest jumps from year two to year three. For some reason, you know, learn, football's, football's tough now, especially when you get to this level. I mean, you're not better than everyone like in high school. You have to learn the intricacies of the game. You have to learn the why, why the offense is trying to do this to you. You have to learn why you're trying to do this defensively. Um, and you have to understand to put yourself in the best position for yourself to succeed within that defense. And just learn the game, being more savvy. And, under, and um, I think the biggest thing for that position, an outside linebacker, um, and where pass rush and rushing the passer is the greatest, you know, stock you can have if you want to invest in something um that's that's what you want to build your portfolio on but then it's also understanding you have to have the ability to kind of see the whole field and see the whole picture as like a dn you can kind of just focus on what's in front of you because that's what matters you're the tackle the tight end the gaps whatever but as as an outside passer you got to know the the splits of the wide receiver you got to know the splits between tackle and and tight end, and you can kind of judge plays like that. And you got to be able to communicate with the inside backers, and you got to communicate with the safeties when you're in coverage and the corners. I mean, you got to listen for more things. So it's just things get moving pretty quickly. But hopefully, he has a greater understanding of all this now, going year three of this defense and being the same defense. You get a similar guy back into the fold with Dawson, mm-hmm. now coaching outside linebackers, and he can bring some experience, you know, and he. he you know, from the NFL and what he's learned there, just from the the year with the with the Giants, and but he he needs to they got to bring some pressure off the edge because that's three fours. If you don't have an edge guy that can put the pressure on and bring the heat, it's it's really hard to to succeed because you don't you're not really worried about it. You like I've, I've told you hundreds of times on here, you gotta you have the ability to um, causes changes into in protections for offensive line to where. You're getting guys one on one. You know, you're getting outside linebackers on running backs and tight ends, and I'll take that matchup all day. And if you don't have that guy, and they're not scared about, it, you're not going to get those. So it really makes it really, really tough. Um, so first and foremost, he's got to be able to have a rush. You don't need a repertoire of four rushes. You need one really good rush that you know what you know you can win with every time. And then maybe if that offensive tackle or guard or tight end, whoever it is, is catching on to it, then you maybe have a counter. Mm-hmm. But you need to develop that one rush where, you know what, I'm getting off as fast as I can. I'm bringing speed, and it's going to be speed to power or, you know, speed to a, a club swap or, you know, speed to a inside swim move or not inside swim, but inside spin move, you know, the, you know things like that. Just find that one rush, and you can counter off of that. So I hope, hopefully he's developing that one rush where, you know, when it's third and 
you know, six and to longer, he can, he's going to win. And, uh, you know, it's easier said than done, but hopefully going to year three, he, he should be much more comfortable and understand the defense to where he can really, you know, establish himself in this defense and against other offenses in the Big Ten. Jay, with this system Nebraska has, as you look at it, you've seen this defense, same defense for now going into year three. As you look at it, is it complicated? And it depends on the person. I get that. But I look at Nico Cooper. I mean, he got here, uh, even though spring ball was shut down, 6'5", really athletic body, good size. There are other options. So Nebraska is not forced to play guys that they're just stuck with, right? So Nebraska's gotten more of a variety to choose from. Is this system difficult in your eyes to, to learn and get down? Would it be? Is it is it that uh, vast to 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 not be able to just know what you got to do and then play fast? Well, I Are think any roadblocks? system you get into, you know, whether it's the four three or the three four or the bear, you call any defense. Right. I just think if you go from high school to college. You have to be so much more in detail and in depth and do certain things because your competition is greater and offenses are greater. Um, you know, in and, and high school, players might only run like two calls and maybe have like two blitzes because they can because that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. And some high schools might be more in depth. I don't know. I'm sure there are down in, you start playing in Texas and stuff where head coaches, that's all they do is coach football and not to worry about teaching and, and doing any other things. But it's always more difficult. Um, it's just, you have to be. You have to be more precise. You have to be uh, more detailed. You have to play with better technique, and that can just that just overwhelms you. And you know, it just kind of can slow your mind down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And but the, you know, once you understand, once you get your techniques down, that's the biggest thing. Once you're playing with proper pad level, hand placement, footwork, the other stuff is just that just comes. That now you're able to go. But all of a sudden, you're in your stance. Okay, I got to make sure I step with my feet here. Make sure my hand placement's here. Make sure. That, that's hard to play football. So I, I don't. I think any system at this level is complex when you get here. Um, but it's just again, just spending a little time. But you just it takes some time to grasp. It just does. I we nowadays we put so much pressure. I don't say pressure, but we expect so much out of a freshman because oh, he's coming to Nebraska. He's you know we try to compare him. Oh, he could be the next Randy Gregory, or he could be the next Steve Warren, or Jason Peter, mm-hmm. or Grant Wistrom, or whoever it may be. That's tough, and we just, you know, you have more access to kids, and you have more film on kids. You have more um, people talking about kids. You have multiple recruiting sites now, and so I just think it just takes time. It does. It's it's rare. I mean, come on. And Nabuka Suit took them three years to develop. Sure. Let's be honest. Um, it's just you want to, you know, you hear about kids. Alabama, how come Alabama's doing this, and how come they're getting these guys that can play right? Well, may, are they? But, you know, maybe, maybe some, but Alabama's also got – you know, five stars like three on the three deep. You know, so it's it helps when you can develop kids. You get some depth, and you develop, and these kids don't have to be thrown in the mix right away. Go thrown in the fire, thrown in the live bullets, um, and all of a sudden they you start seeing them in their sophomore year, junior year, and they start really playing. Like, oh man, now I can see why they were so high on this kid instead of you know you're he's thrown out there as freshman year, and it's like, oh, I thought this kid was supposed to be so you know was supposed to be this and. You know, so-and-so said he could be this. Well, it's like, man, that's, that's hard. That's really hard to do as an 18-year-old kid. I mean, I mean, there hasn't been too many to really do it. You know, I think Grant Wistrom played as a true freshman. 
And I mean, just going back as a defensive guy, I don't can't think of a you know other than cornerbacks. You know, Fabian Washington, Ralph Brown. You know, corners a little different. But you got to play up front in the line in the front seven, and then when technique and physicality matters, um, it's tough for young guys to play. And uh, just going to take time. It always it always takes more time up front just to develop. It always it always is, always will be, um, as long as football's around and we're playing it the way it is. So you just got to be patient with some of these some of these young kids, no matter no matter what the system is. Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL or More To It podcast. Check that out on all platforms where you get your uh, podcasts and follow Jay on Twitter at jmore44. Jay, have a great day of golf. Thanks for a few minutes, bud. Yeah, you got it, Smay. Thank you, man. Good to hear from Blackshirt Husker NFL or Jay Moore. His uh, sit down with Rick Pizzo. The More To It podcast. Get that thing subscribed to. All platforms, you get your podcast. We'll have uh, a Friday show wrapped up and posted on the pod for you. Don't forget, weekend edition tomorrow morning. Hail Varsity Radio, myself, and Mark Cranach. Damon Barr is in. He ain't leaving. We'll find out what uh, adventures await Damon Barr on a Friday night next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Friday, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. And a reminder about drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Drunk driving, buzzed or high driving, never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working hard to stop it. Sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols are set up. As a driver, make that correct choice. A a non-alcoholic drink or have a pre-selected designated driver. Or just get that app on your phone, whichever service you like. Click, order, get home safe. And fight, you know, start that conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, with Elijah in Colorado, mushroom hunting. Damon Barr has been pulling massive duty. So it was Wine Wednesday. I didn't ask you what you were doing last night. That was insensitive of me. We both have early mornings tomorrow. Damon, what is the Friday night calendar look like? Is it garage band practice? Uh, tonight is a, it's ordering a pizza and uh, watching Ozark. Me and my roommate. Nice, started you're wa- finally getting in. We started watching it per your request. We're almost done with season one, and it, it's amazing. I love it. it, it it's good. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> you getting the spicy chicken ordered tonight? Pizza. Uh, should fire that up. Maybe. <laughs> I should. It'd be really awesome. And then you're in that room tomorrow morning, so true. <laughs> just hurt yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Love me some spicy chicken, man. Good. So you're doing Ozark. I think I'm gonna watch the Royals. The Royals. I was gonna maybe see if they. Well, we don't have cable at my house, so I'm not really gonna. I don't want to go and try to find some illegal stream for watching baseball, so I'll just leave it be tonight. See, the the thing is, if you find an illegal stream for baseball, you can find an illegal stream for other things. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Which isn't good. No. Just saying the temptation would be there. So you're watching Ozark. Nicely done. And uh, we'll 
rattle Cranax cage manana. Yeah. We'll pace ourselves tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was trying to calculate kind of how much I could drink to, to put me to sleep by nine o'clock. So I, I get a good night's sleep, but I think I'm just not going to I'm not going to risk it tonight. <laughs> you doing calculations? Is that to help you get through tomorrow morning? Uh, maybe just to put me to bed tonight. I don't know. <laughs> if you see me with a big smile on my face tomorrow, you, you know, it you'll, you'll know why. It is 7 a.m. show start. Right. So, are you going to partake in any tequila? I don't think so. I think... Have someone else bring it. It always tastes yeah. better with someone else's. Yeah, true. Free, free booze tastes better than uh, anything else, but... uh. Last time, uh, I wasn't supervised after drinking some tequila and got my hands onto some wine. Mm, and he mixed it. Wor- worst morning of my life. Yeah. So were you doing body shots off of people? Uh, no. You say that, you know, you just tell me no comment. No comment. None there, of your yeah. damn business, old guy. <laughs> You're going to roll in smelling like lime and salt and death. Yes. You were going to cave in to a National Tequila Day. Good stuff. From Jay Moore, Bill Dolman, Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson. We'll be back at you tomorrow. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity, 7 to 9 a.m. Thanks for spending time. Uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. See you.